Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, to hear the children sing the way they did, to hear Elijah stand up and sing the way he did, to hear Abraham call for the offering the way he did. And for every phase of this service, I want to praise you. And now, Lord, I pray that you would anoint me from on high with the Holy Spirit so that these thoughts you gave me will be conveyed by you and your love and your mercy and your kindness and that you would use me in spite of me so we could see Jesus. So bless us to this end now, Lord, and speak through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This might startle you as it did me. Huff Post and YouGov did a poll of a thousand people and found out that 75% believe in ghosts. They are people who said they believe that ghosts or spirits of the dead can come back in certain places and situations according to a 2012 data. Some 32% also said ghosts or spirits can hurt or can hurt living people. Get this. Are you listening to me? 73% said ghosts are harmless. Uh, I, that's 43%, excuse me. And as many as 18% of people will go as far as to say they have contact with ghosts. I don't know if you're aware of Pew Research. That's a very credible polling organization for Christians. Four out of 10 Americans, that's 42%, believe spiritual powers rest in physical objects like the mountains, trees, and crystals according to a new study by them. A similar number, 41% believe in psychics. A third, 30% believe in reincarnation, while 29% believe in astrology. I thought it'd be higher, by the way. And as I give you all of these facts and these percentages, I want you to know the experts count couch all this information is they're sure that the statistics are higher but especially on the men's side they don't want to admit it take a look at this most women say they believe in ghosts but men don't and and what most women is 53 percent and what men don't is 39 percent also when it comes to one-third of women believe people can put a curse on other people. And men, 26% believe that. And finally, I thought this was interesting, 35% believe that there's aliens have landed on the earth. <laughs> Folks, listen to me. I wish, I wish I had thought of this before I thought of it. 
But the great controversy, 561 says, for his masterpiece of deception is the development of spiritualism. And remember, most of these are low percentages. They're much higher than stated. And people, the stage is set for evil spirits to come and tell people, you know what, the commandments aren't that important. Love one another. And because they're prone to this, they'll believe it. And so today I'd like to share with you the sermon entitled, Spiritual Things Are Spiritually Discerned. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Samuel 28. Everyone turn to 1 Samuel 28. Children, open your Bibles, please. Turn to this story. Open your Bible, Jessica. <laughs> I want you to follow along as we read this story. And then you must listen to the sermon to put it together. Okay, do you have 1 Samuel 28? We're going to start with verse 1. So bear with me as we read 19 verses. And it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their army together for war, to fight with the Israel. Verse 2, or verse 4. Now Samuel had died, and all of Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. For Saul gathered all of Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dream, by Urim, or by the prophets. And Samuel said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went. And two men went with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And then the woman said to him, Look, you know that Saul, has, what he has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists of the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my, my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to, swore to him, to her by the Lord, saying, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And then the woman said, Whom 
shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. And then the woman saw Samuel, and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me, for you are Saul? And the king said to her, Do, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered and said, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me any, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And so Samuel says, So why do you ask me? seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy. And the Lord has done for you, for himself, as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore... The Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord also delivers Israel into the hands of the Philistine. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And the Lord also will deliver the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Whoa, what a story. And we're going to look at four we're going to ask four questions of this story. Question number one, why did Saul put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land? Number two, why did God answer, didn't answer Saul? Number three, what should Saul have done? And number four, instead, what did Saul do and what was the result? Well, let's look at first question number one. Why did Saul put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land? That's a very simple question and a simple answer. Exodus 22:18. you shall not permit a sorcerer to live. Okay, makes sense? Leviticus 19:26. you shall not, dot, 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 practice divination or soothsaying, give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits, do not, Seek after them. And then it says this in Deuteronomy 18, 10, and 11. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practice witchcraft or soothsaying or who interprets omen or 
a sorcerer or one whom conjures spells or mediums or spiritists or one who calls up the dead. Okay, I want you to focus on Deuteronomy 18. I, I think he covers all the bases. Do you got it? See this East Coast medium TV show and ghosts, hunters, TV shows and all these other things that have popped up ever since, I believe, Disney introduced spiritualism into their movies and inculcated our kids' minds. Now people everywhere believe in this stuff. Why did he get rid of them? He got rid of them because God told him to get rid of them. And Isaiah said a very, this Isaiah, he asked us a question that makes so much sense. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their, their God? Should they seek the dead? in behalf of the living. Okay, so that's the issue. That's what he said. So now we see why Saul did this. Let's look a little more deeply at this. First of all, I'm going to use a text that's very familiar to you in a different way. That'll probably, hopefully highlight this. Number, question number one still, why did Saul put the medium spiritus out of work? Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. The Greek word is agnostic. I don't want you to be uninformed about the dead. And by the way, there isn't a commentator that believes that sleep meant that they're sleeping. He's talking about people taking a nap. He is talking about those who have died. They all admit that. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be stupid about this. And then Solomon put it this way. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, for the living know that they will die, but the the dead know what? They know nothing. But the dead know nothing. They have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share for anything done under the sun. By the way, if that last phrase throws you, don't. He's talking about in his wisdom, whether he knew it or not, under the current sun because many of us will see the new sun. Got that? You got that? The dead know what? They don't know anything. And so, if that's the case, if the dead don't know anything, who are the spirit mediums talking to? They're talking to demons, they're talking to fallen angels, they're talking to agents of Satan. And in some cases, depending how elevated you may be, you might be talking to Satan himself. So let's move on to question number two. 
why didn't God answer Saul? This is really simple. Remember, he said by dreams, by Urim, and by prophets. Here's why he didn't answer Saul. First of all, Saul killed all the priests. Do you remember that? Boy, I, I'll tell you. I hope you read the Old Testament. These stories make God and his mercy and love so vivid in my mind. Saul got angry because the priest gave David some bread and he had them all wiped out. Oh, no wonder Urim. Urim is the, there were two stones on the breastplate of the high priest, the Urim and the Thummim. If the answer was yes, the Urim would shine bright. If the answer was no, the Thummim would have a cloud over it. And so God couldn't answer. Saul killed all the priests. Secondly, Samuel had died. He was gone. And I forgot to tell you this. Notice, I love this, when it says here that Samuel, the first thing Samuel said is, so why are you asking me? You know, because Saul never did what Samuel said God told him to do. See, if you have read all those other chapters up to this, you would see God said this, Saul did that. Samuel said God said this, Saul did that. Number three, Saul was trying to kill David. And David was not only a king later, but he was a prophet. And finally, I also t I already tipped you off to Saul refused to obey God. Okay, so what should Saul have done? I'm going to calm down now. Folks, have you ever felt like God isn't answering you? I have. Try to think of Saul doing all these evil, wicked things. What should he have done? When you're in that position, I want to remind you that Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. In Psalms 123, wait upon the Lord our God. Psalms 145:15, the eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. I'm, I, I got to embellish that just, just a hair. Folks, that's saying... Those that wait patiently for the Lord, when the time is right, he'll reveal it. By the way, throughout Saul's life, he showed much impatience. And in Psalms 139, 23, what should he have done? He should have said, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. What Saul should have done is have repented. He didn't. By the way, I just want to clear this up for you in case you got a question in your mind. You go read this in Patriarchs and Prophets, and it says clearly that Saul, even at this point, would have been forgiven by God if he asked for it. He should have repented. 
I remember one day I got a letter in the mail. We were in um, Cedar Lake, Michigan. And it was a man, a member of my church, who was a professor in a university. And in that letter, he just ripped me to shreds. You see, his father had died. And I didn't know it. No one told me. And then he traveled a long distance to the funeral and everything. And then he came back. And believe it or not, I, I forgot to call him and tell him I was sorry. And I'm telling you, in that letter, he blasted me. And I took that letter. My face got red. I was angry. My heart was beating. And I thought, I'm going to sit down at my desk and I'm going to let him have it back. And as I sat down and got ready, here's what God said to me. He said, Peter, is there anything in this letter that's right? Of course there wasn't, right? And then it came again, Peter, is there anything in this letter that is correct? And all of a sudden, all I can say, folks, is the Spirit started to show me me instead of him. Mm -hmm. And when that, I mean, I broke out in tears. I apologized profusely to the Lord. By the way, he said he never wanted to see me again. I sat down and wrote a letter that I know God wrote in which I apologized profusely, admitted my faults, and asked him for forgiveness. And remember, my first response was, how dare he write this letter to me? All Saul or we have to do in times like this is wait upon the Lord. There is no one here that I know is rejected by God. Even Saul, I'm telling you, Saul disobeyed God every turn of the way and God still worked with him. Samuel prayed for him until the day he died. And still, patriarchs and prophets said it wasn't too late. But number four, what did he do? He went to the witch of Endor. He, he specifically, do you, do you remember what the witch said? Hey, Saul has cast all the witches out. And he knew the councils. Remember, he was buddy-buddy at the beginning with Samuel, who anointed him to be the first king. And what did he do? He went to the wench of Endor. He panicked. He didn't wait upon the Lord. And I want you to notice verse 13 and 14. Look just for a second at 13 and 14. I don't want you to miss this because a lot of us are confused by this story and others come to us and use this story to counter what we teach the Bible teaches. Look what it says, 13. Or I, no, 12 am I going to start? I'm going to start with 12. 
When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. Verse 13. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to the woman, What is his form? And she said, An old man coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. What do you notice about that? Come on. Okay, you're you're correct, but why? Look at those verses. Did Did you see it? First of all, he said, what do you see? Saul didn't see anything. Do you hear me? Then he said, what is his form? Because Saul didn't see anything. And then it says Saul perceived it was Samuel based on the testimony of a demon. And we know from Ecclesiastes and from Paul that that couldn't have been Samuel. Yet I checked on other commentators and and listen to this one. This one commentator, I wrote it down. He said this. Was it actually Samuel? Dot, dot, dot. Or could it have been a demon impersonating Samuel? Dot, dot, dot. Or could it simply be that God permitted a bona fide manifestation of Samuel through this forbidden means in order to confirm Saul's forsakenness to him. God is lawful, the Ten Commandments. He works according to his law. The dead know nothing. So therefore, I'm getting, I'm getting, oh Lord, help me. I'm, I, get, I feel like I'm getting blank stares here. This, this man said, could this, could God have permitted a bona fide manifestation of Samuel? No, he couldn't. God doesn't work that way. So we know that Saul Saul believed it was Samuel based on the word of a demon. And that couldn't have been Samuel because he was dead. And even that one commentator, by the way, mentioned this. When he came up, he said, he said to him, why do you ask me seeing the Lord has departed? No, that's not it. Where is it? It's where he said, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? That commentator said, see, it was Samuel. He was dead. He brought him up. No, folks, that wasn't. That's the demon saying the right thing at the right time to confuse anybody who reads this story. Yep. It was the witch. And so, folks, Saul perceived based on the woman. Finally, notice verse 15 and 16, 15 through 19. I'm going to 
I'm going to skip that. I already read it to you. You go ahead and read it again. And here's what, here's what the demon supposedly representing Samuel, here's how he left Saul. Utterly hopeless. Read it in Patriarchs and Prophets. He was destroyed. He was in no condition to lead an army and he was in no condition to stop being killed. And so he makes the demon look, the witch look, and that that was really Samuel. And that Samuel knew the future. Or, you know, the demon knew the future. Folks, we've got to realize that God would have never left him in utter hopelessness. He would have said to him, if that was really Samuel, Saul, repent. It isn't too late. But instead, you read those five verses. And it is, and he has designed them to leave Saul in utter hopelessness. Well, let's take it to the New Testament. And I saw three unclean spirits like frog coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons, performing what? Miracles, which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world. And over in Revelation 13, it quotes that in the last day there'll be false prophets and they will work miracles to deceive the world. It doesn't say that here. Why? Because this is just before the battle of the great day almighty, which is Armageddon. And what it means is that there'll be three unclean spirits. And they're the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet that will use miracles in order to gather everyone on their side for the battle. And we cannot afford to allow the demons, the evil spirits, to f deceive us. So we end up on the wrong side. So my friends, this spiritualism is very serious. We think it's mundane and not that important, but the rest of the world is swallowing this with hook, line, and sinker. Some of us are imbibing in it, and I'm telling you, it will leave all of us utterly hopeless. And so, Saul and his sons died in the battle. In fact, Saul killed himself by falling on his sword because he was mortally wounded and did not want to be captured alive. And here's what 1 Chronicles 10.13 said. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. Friends, we need to heed that text and to stay as far away from it as the Holy Spirit will make us. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the challenge of the hour. I pray 
that you would help us to pull the finer details of this story to see clearly that it's in line with what the Bible teaches and it's also warning us in the last days this is going to happen again. And so, Father, keep us alert and wait and keep us waiting upon you above all else. Help no one to leave here without making a decision as they hear your spirit speak to each one individually that we can be better representatives of you that you deserve and you would be honored and glorified in Jesus' name, amen.